as always, it amazes me how God puts things together because he goes before us. It's actually a testimony of what we just sang. Um, but today we're going to talk about that, that fact. We've already talked some about it. We've been doing the study of Jesus and, and uh, his interactions and just looking at the person of Christ in his encounters with people and trying to draw from that the reality of the character of Christ in uh, in experience, not just in theory. You know, a lot of what we do, we, uh, we study theology and doctrines and we put those things in place and then we try to make Jesus fit that, I think, at times. Or we try to make sense of that. And it's, it's, it's so strange that... Uh, that many of us grew up taking the Old Testament stories, for instance, and not being able to place the grace of God in that, not being able to see Jesus in the text of the Old Testament, not uh, realizing that it's all one story about the character of God, the Godhead. If you see Jesus, you see who you see Jesus in the New Testament or in the Gospels, and you see God. You see who He is. And in fact, Jesus—that's what started our study—is. The question that Philip asked Jesus, he said, show us the Father and it will be enough. And Jesus said, how long am I going to be with you? And you not know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. And for us, the, the question is, how long are we going to be possessing, literally, the Holy Spirit? How long is the Holy Spirit going to live in us, in our hearts, and we not know that what we read about Jesus in the New Testament or in the Gospels is, is who the Holy Spirit is to us. And so we're going through this study. We're, we're finding out that Jesus is so much more. The Holy Spirit is so much more to us than we have been enjoying in our lives, than we have been putting into practice in our lives, that we haven't allowed the reality of who he is even to to make its way into our minds, much less let it affect the way that we live. And so this truth of God going before us, you know, we've, we've encountered that, that idea of Jesus going before us and, and having a plan for us. You know, we've already encountered Jesus doing that in a number of cases. One that was kind of surprising, if you'll remember, was, was when he sent the disciples out on, uh, across the lake and the storm came up. You know, we've seen that story. We've talked about that story so much and who Jesus is in the story. But what we didn't realize until we went through it this time was that Jesus was doing work all day with the disciples in the things that he was teaching to prepare them for that experience that he knew they were going to have on the Sea of Galilee. He goes before us. There is a foreknowledge that comes with knowing God. Now, we don't know it all, but he knows it all. And if he lives in us, can't God prepare us? Can't God do work in us to let us embrace the fact that he knows what's coming? And, and in the case of, this, of the song that we just sang, it's the, it's, it's the, it's a, it uh, illustrates for us in tough times. We know that he's, he goes before us, and he'll never leave us. Those two pieces of knowledge are so great for us to know intellectually, but until you go through the hard times, which I love the fact that Ashley was singing that because she's went through some hard times uh, here recently. And she's, she, and, she and Levi, uh, you know, Levi had surgery this past week, emergency surgery, and they're in a condition that they didn't need that. 
from man's perspective. But God was going ahead of them and is going ahead of them. And God already knows what he's going to do, not only in them, but through them, because of the influence that they have over other people who are watching them to see who is God really. And they're going to see God in their experience. I saw God in their experience. I watched uh, what used to be a panicked young lady. Anytime any kind of trial came up, I watched her handle this trial with faith that God gave her through the past trials. I mean, I love that. Uh, you know, I'm not lifting Ashley up. I'm just saying all of us have had those experiences. But I love that Ashley was singing that song because that's a real life for her this week. And that's the, that's the point we're trying to make is that, that God is more than just ideas for us to fill our brain with. The, the, the person of God and the, the character of God is not just something for us to talk about and, and, and philosophize about, you know, and try and figure out. It, it, this is a person who not only existed in the time uh, that the Gospels were, uh, were lived in that time that the Gospels give us, but also that he's alive now and lives in us. And everything that Jesus was, the Holy Spirit is. God never changes. So let's hold on to that today. I want to tell you a story of what's going on in Ruston for two reasons. One, because it applies to what we're talking about here uh, and, and I believe the Lord wanted me to share that as a way of introduction to this message today, but also because I want you to know what's going on in Ruston. You know, we prayed the other day for, uh, uh, for Nick and Hannah Bustamante, who are here, uh, about the, the group that's meeting in their home, and that started because, let me just tell you what, what's happening, okay? God had a plan for a group of people in Ruston. Now, I don't know, I don't claim to know yet what his total plan is for that group. But what I do know is that God had a plan. And this week, as I've been preparing this message, the thing that unfolded for me is that God is planning to reveal his glory in Ruston through a small group of people, or a large group, whatever he wants to do there, probably small. But there's a group of people that God intended before the foundations of the world to use to show his glory. And and, and that group is up there. And so what happened is, one couple comes to us, comes to Pineville, or to Alexandria, and comes to church here, and experiences here what they've been looking for in community in Ruston, have not been able to find. And so they went back with renewed passion to find this in Ruston, couldn't find it, not that it doesn't exist there, they, God just intended that they not find it, Apparently. They had one other couple they wanted to meet with uh, that was kind of in the same boat. We met, and God began to work immediately. The next uh, week, th- that couple, second couple brought another couple. Uh, and, and then it's just been one, and the connections have been incredible. So to give you kind of a picture of why I think this fits today's message is that God intended to do something, and we are experiencing what God intended. Uh, this week, a friend of mine walked into Hidden Ground's coffee shop, ooh, ooh. Uh, and uh, was telling us about her sister and brother-in-law who live in Ruston. I said, wait a minute, you have, they live in Ruston, and I know them. They live in Ruston? He said, yeah. I said, well, um, you know, we've got a church This kind of seems like it's starting to form there, at least a small group. And she said, yeah, my husband told me, and I, you know, I, I told him about it. And I said, well, what does he do? What is he, where does he work? And she said, he's a, uh, 
a professor at Tech. Well, the guy that's hosting our group just happens to be a professor at Tech. And so I thought, no way. And I thought, what department? And they work in the same department. And I called the guy that's hosting the group. He already knew them, or knew him. All right, so y'all getting a little guess that God might have had something already planned over there? We've got six people out of the city of Ruston, or four people out of the city of Ruston that were meeting, no, six now, that are meeting in this home. And this connection happens in a coffee shop in Pineville so that I could be aware. But wait, it's not over. So she said, well, you know, our, my, I, they really need something because they've been looking for something. They're not really connecting where they are. And I said, uh, she said they were connecting. They had a small group that they were meeting with, but two of the couples that they really connected with moved. And she said one of them just moved back from Shreveport. And when she said that, I thought, no way, because there's a new couple that just joined our group that moved from Shreveport. I said, what's their name? And she told me, and it was the couple. Her and her, this girl were best friends. And so, uh, so I said, man, this is crazy. I said, she's in the group already and committed and loves it. And so I texted her, and she was flipping out, not because her friend was going to be able to be in this group, but because she said, God is so personal. She said, God is doing something up here. Man, and her testimony was just she recognized that God had a plan that he's unfolding up there. Because none of us are touching this. I mean, this, I didn't know about that connection until they said something about it. We're not going to Facebook and looking at everybody's friends and saying, oh, they got this friend. They should invite them. It's just God putting the pieces together. Wouldn't it be great if God could build a church like that? Wouldn't it be great if God, if we just got out of the way enough, if we were just not determined to make something happen, if we could just get out of the way and God started putting people together in a congregation? It is great, isn't it? Because <laughs> this is it. This is it. And it's happening in Ruston. You know, God brought you here. You're here because God put you here. Uh, you haven't been recruited to come and be a part of a church. You haven't been, uh, uh, you're not one of our numbers that we're trying to add to this congregation. You know, we're, we're asking God to bring people to this congregation. And the connections here are just as phenomenal. But God does that. One of the characteristics that we can appreciate today and want to talk about today and we're going to talk about it for the next two Sundays but today we're going to talk specifically about the fact that Jesus reveals his glory in us or the Holy Spirit for us is revealing his glory in us there's a process that unfolds in a story about Jesus coming in contact with a man who was blind from birth and the questions that he answers and the way that he deals with this man reveals to us this beautiful truth that God has a plan for each one of your lives, and it's a part of His. It's to accomplish, to be a part of accomplishing His plan. It's not a plan that He has just for you, that He wrote out for you, uh, as if you were the interest or as you were the focus. It is His work on the earth, and Him that's the focus. It's us coming to know Him and to see Him and and to experience His glory in our lives and to respond to that in such a way that it also reveals His glory to the watching world around us. Uh, you know, the watching world right now in Ruston is being able to experience the beauty of the glory of God. There's never a better place, and we're certainly going to talk today about the hard times, the problems. There's never a better place for God to reveal His glory than where a man or woman is at their weakest for a lot of reasons, which we'll talk about today. 
But man, what a beautiful characteristic that is revealed in the interaction that Jesus has with this man and his disciples and then next week with the Pharisees uh, regarding uh, Christ revealing his glory in us. And so let's look at it together. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. It says, as he passed by, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth, and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Which is kind of a weird question to start off with. If he was born blind, it would have been hard for him to sin. Unless his dad made him real mad when he was in the womb. It could have happened, I guess. But anyway, it was a question because they've been taught that, 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 that blindness and sin and any kind of malady of that nature comes from sin. And so they asked the question, and Jesus answered, It was not this man, uh, that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while, the day, while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, he anoint, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. All right, let's break this down for a little bit. I hope you're ready to enjoy this message. Y'all ready to say, oh, yeah? All right, everybody alert and awake? All right, here we go. Very first phrase caught my attention this week. The scripture says, as he passed by. As he passed by. This speaks to me of the, when we're talking about the glory of God that's about to be revealed, this purpose that God had for this man from before he was born was that, that God's works might be displayed. He might display the glory of God in his life. The first thing that we need to recognize is that Jesus passed by. He passed by. Think of all the lives that were changed because Jesus passed by. Zacchaeus, for instance, who was a tax collector turned uh, evangelist in a day. Jesus was passing by and sees Zacchaeus in a tree and tells him to come, come down for he's going to his house today. And he goes to his house. Uh, walking through town, passing by the tax collector's booth, where Matthew is sitting, Levi, collecting taxes. And the fact that Jesus is passing by means his whole life is transformed and he becomes a disciple of Christ. Peter, fishing, giving up fishing, washing his nets, and Jesus is passing by. And, and because Jesus is passing by, uh, there's a great catch of fish that ultimately leads to him leaving his boat and following Jesus and becoming a fisher of men. Just because Jesus was passing by. We can't say enough about the fact that Jesus is present with us in the Holy Spirit. We have a privilege that, that, the, that the, the gospel uh, stories don't express because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. We have Jesus with us, in us, always available to us. Today, this morning, right now, he is passing by. A.W. Tozer in... The Pursuit of God speaks of the divine imminence of God in his book, which means the presence of God. And he describes it this way. He says, what now 
Does the divine eminence mean in direct Christian experience? It means simply that God is here. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place, there can be no place where he is not. Ten million intelligences standing at as many points in space and separated by incomprehensible distances can each one say with equal truth, God is here. No point is nearer to God than any other point. It is exactly as near to God from any place as it is from any other place. No one is in mere distance any further from or any nearer to God than any other person is. These truths believed, uh, these are truths believed by every instructed Christian. But it remains for us to think on them and pray on them until they begin to glow within us. God is present. He's passing by this morning, right now, if you will. He's passing by. He's not. He's in us. He's here. He's present. As he passed there, he is here today. Crowds flocked to Jesus because when he passed by, the, the creator and sustainer of the world was passing by. The one who could help people make sense of life. The one who could help people discover their purpose in life was passing by. Those that were lost found the way passing by. Some of us are that. You know, we're lost, and, and, and the way is here today. You, you've, you've asked enough questions. Just know that he's here today. If, if you're lost, in, either in sin, in darkness, whatever, you're lost in trying to find your way back to God, the, the, the one that's going to just give you the way is here today. A lot of you are asking questions, and there were, there were times in Scripture where, and this is one of those times that questions are going to be answered, not so much this week as next week, although this, this, there's a question asked in this text today. But if you have questions about what is truth today, and, and certainly there's so much that is disguised as truth that you have access to and I have access to that really not only do we have access, but it seems to be shoved down our throats from every direction and angle. Things that are described as truth but really aren't truth. What is truth? What we need to know is that just as in Scripture, today the Holy Spirit, because he lives in us, the truth is passing by. Some of us are just done. We're done with life. Some of us have come to the end of ourselves and we're hopeless. And there were certainly people like the guttering demoniac who are done with life, who are out away from everyone else, who are for all purposes dead, and Christ walks in on the scene, and because he's passing by, there's life that's offered. And some of us, most of us, have spent all of our lives in dead religion. We've been spinning our wheels trying to be good enough to do something, to find, to, to find some life that gives us something to live for every day, a purpose, and, and, and I want you to know today, the same thing is true for us that was true in Jesus' day. Because Jesus is passing by, he is present in the form of the Holy Spirit. And if there is any way that you need him today, he is present. All you need is for Christ to be passing by and to take full advantage of that beautiful fact like Tozer described in this passage. You see the significance of the presence of God being here I mean, I'm not good, good at expressing emotionally what I'm feeling, but I'm telling you, man, I'm feeling this this morning. 
the fact that Christ is here with us and everything that, that is needed for the glory of God to be revealed in us and through us is present with us today, ready to guide us into those acts. Tozer said this, continuing in this, in this vein, in, the same, in uh, pursuit of God. He says, if God is present at every point in space, if we cannot go where he is not, cannot even conceive of a place where he is not, then why then has not the presence become the one universally, uh, universally celebrated fact of the world? The patriarch Jacob in the waste howling wilderness gave the answer to that question. He saw a vision of God and never, uh, and, and never been for one small division of a moment outside the circle. I'm sorry. He saw a vision of God and cried out in wonder, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Jacob had never been for one small division of a moment outside the circle of that all-pervading presence, but he knew it not. That was his trouble, and it is ours. Men do not know that God is here. What a difference it would make if they knew. The presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be the one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God for his work it is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with Him in loving obedience, God will manifest Himself to us, and that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of His face. So the first thing I believe the Lord wants us to know this morning is that He's present, and He's willing to be discovered by us, and He's willing to discover us His Holy Spirit discovers himself in us. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't wait for this blind man to discover him. I love this. And he was blind. (laughs) You know, it's not by accident that that in this story it's a blind man and Jesus doesn't wait for him. He doesn't ever see Jesus passing by. This man had nothing to offer Jesus in the way of effort to initiate an encounter and experience with him. And the scripture says that he was, as he was passing by, Jesus saw him. We need to not only recognize that Jesus is passing by this morning, but that he sees us. He sees you where you are, especially when we realize that we have nothing innate in our being to offer him or to discover him or to see him. Unless he takes the initiative, we are lost. Unless he takes initiative, we certainly will never see, discover his glory being demonstrated in us. He will not be able to reveal his glory in us if it's dependent upon us. And until we get to that point of that realization, I think we're not going to experience God. How much clearer can this message be? Jesus doesn't ever need our input. Jesus doesn't need your ideas in order to reveal his glory to the watching world. He doesn't need you to agree with the doctrines of some denomination. He doesn't need you to be theologically sound according to somebody else's standards. He doesn't need you to do anything to reveal his glory. One of the most attractive things to me about the character of God is that he not only sees us in our weak state, but the weaker that we are, it seems, 
the more he chooses to use us. The more he notices us because his glory is revealed more effectively through the weaknesses of man. Paul talks about that. He says, I, I, I rejoice in that I'm weak because where I'm weak, he is strong. That, that, does that make sense to everybody here today? Here's a man who cannot even see God passing by, but Jesus sees him. He sees him in his weakest state. And he doesn't say, oh, poor beggar. He doesn't say, oh, poor sinner. He doesn't say, I'll never be able to use that guy. He sees him and says, that's the one I've been looking for. Just like Zacchaeus, just like Matthew, just like Peter, those who, you know, for, all, for all purposes, everyone would have given up on in the church. Jesus looks down and says, I'll take that one. That's the one I can use. Who is it around you? Or are you that person? That you think there's some limitation in you, limitation of knowledge, physical limitation, limitation of education, limitation of experience or social skills, and you think that God can't use you. You should raise your hand today because God's calling your name. He's the, you're the one he's looking at. It's not those of you who feel like you've got a lot to offer God. God walks right through a crowd of those and finds these people. And he finds this blind man. And I, I want you to understand that today. If you've been con- convinced by well-intentioned religious zealots that you're not good enough to see God, know this. Learn this beautiful lesson from the blind man who was seen by Jesus. Jesus sees you today. Not only is he passing by, not only is he present, but he sees you. You've grabbed his attention. You've grabbed his heart. And he wants to reveal his glory through you. Jesus also revealed the faulty beliefs of the disciples who spoke the truth. And he spoke the truth to them. Look at it again in verses 2 and 3. And Jesus and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is the big setup. Okay, What we're seeing right now in this story is what God does when he's revealing his glory. I've seen it more than once, so have you. It's the big setup. It's, it's God giving you, speaking something that he's about to do so that you start watching for it. I, I got to tell you guys, he's, he's grabbed my attention regarding this thing in Ruston. He's got my attention. My eyes are wide open, and, I, and the people that are in this small group are also keeping their eyes open. They're not out there trying to, telling everybody, hey, we got this cool church that's getting started. You should come. It's totally different. Matter of fact, there was a little bit of that at the beginning, and, and bless her heart, one of our people got, got hurt by it. But how cool is it when God's putting it together and God begins to say, I'm doing something here. And you don't know what yet. You just know he's doing something. And there's a sense of expectancy that this, not expectation in a, in a specific way, but expectancy that says, man, God is doing something. He's about to reveal himself in some incredible way. And that's what he does here. He tells these disciples, when Jesus, uh, he, he says, uh, it's that the works might be displayed through in him. Well, they're looking around. They see a man blind begging, and it doesn't seem like there's any work being done. So what do you think they're thinking when God said, the work of my father is about to be displayed in him? What do you think they're thinking? I can tell you what they're thinking. All right, this is going to be good. It's the big setup, and God does that for us. 
All right, well, I shared the story of Ashley and Levi this week. You know, when we can begin to think of and look at that, that, there, that a circumstance that enters into our life that seems to be difficult and, and hard and troublesome, if, if we can begin to remember, if we first of all remember that the God of the universe is with us, passing by, that he's looking at us, coming to us, and, and if it weakens us in any way or makes us look weak in any way or it seems impossible that anything can come out of it, that God is looking at that situation and he's saying, hang on. We talked about this this morning in our group. I finally have learned to embrace those moments when life seems to be difficult and say to God, literally in my prayers, it's hard to do initially, but you get used to it and you start loving it. Is praying and asking God, keep me in this situation until you finish this work in me. Do, do whatever, reveal your glory in me and to others in any way that you want to. And I don't want this situation gone until you want it gone. This sickness, this financial difficulty, this, this tragedy. I just keep it in my life. Don't take it away until you're done working in me. And when we start getting a perspective that when God is present, and he sees us where we are, and we're weak, that that's an, a, a great opportunity for God to speak into our lives and say, I got it. I can't tell you how many times Talitha and I and our kids have faced some traumatic experience in our life, and we've gone to God, and God has said, I got it. Literally, specifically. Where, where do we want to go whenever trials like that come? Where, we don't want to go have a quiet time. We don't want to go sit down with God and read the Bible and pray we just want to cry out like, like our kids do and say, I want, I want. Not go to God and say, God, what do you want from me? What are you doing in my life? I want your glory to re- be revealed here. God, do something in me. Whatever it is you're doing here, I know you're at, you're at work. I am not alone. You're going before me, and because you're before me, I know something is going on here, and I want that to happen. Can we go to God and ask him that? If you make a habit of doing that rather than running, but abiding in Christ in the middle of crisis, then what you're going to find is he will speak to that. Sometimes he will tell you, you know, I'm not ready to take this out of your life. I remember when I got fired and I was sitting on the porch of my house and praying and reading a lot because I had a lot of time that God said, I want you to stay. I want you to continue to rest and not take a job yet. I'll provide for you in this time. And he did more in tremendous ways, provided for us. And I rested for nine months before I was hired by another church. That was a beautiful time with God during that time. I learned something in that time that God had a plan for me. And he was working even in the, the firing, being fired, and the experience that I had in that, that horrific experience that I had in that, that church. That God was working to reduce pride, to take pride out of my life. And to make something that he could use because I wasn't blind. I could see clearly but I was looking with my eyes and not his eyes. So he blinded me and then brought my sight back. Just rest in that today, church. There are faulty beliefs that his disciples had, and Jesus corrects those beliefs, and in correcting their beliefs, he sets them up. Bill and I were discussing this week how God is opening his eyes to understand grace and how beautiful that is. And I just love talking to Bill, and I love the excitement that's in his face right now and in his life right now. How God's, and he wants so desperately to give that to somebody else. I, I get that. Who doesn't, right? When you discover the imputed righteousness of Christ, that want to give that away to somebody else because life changes when you have that understanding. And we live in a, in a community that doesn't understand that. 
we live in a community that has lots of religious teaching that doesn't include the imputed righteousness of Christ. When you understand it, man, it makes you, you know, it gives you this glow, this expectation that something great is fixing to happen. And, and it's these faulty beliefs that caused the disciples to wonder about this guy. They didn't see the potential in this man. Jesus did because they had a false belief. And so Jesus straightens that up. And when Jesus speaks to us about our circumstances, we have heard truth. Tozer continues to speak about these men in Scripture who saw the glory of God. And he says, I venture to suggest that the one vital quality which they had in common was spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven, something which urged them Godward. Without attempting anything like a profound analysis, I shall say simply that they had spiritual awareness and that they went on to cultivate it until it became the biggest thing in their lives. They differed from the average person in that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired a lifelong habit of spiritual response. They were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. As David put it neatly, when thou saidst, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. The disciples were aware of who was with them. And when he said to expect something God-exclusive, they were expectant. There was something inside of them that came alive. They were watching. They were looking. We need to realize that God wants to reveal his glory through us. And we need to be looking and paying attention and seeking. When you feel that inward something that's going on and God begins to highlight that he's doing something in your life, man, pursue that with expectancy. Go after it. You know, we have three things we're trying to do at this church. And I got to say, I really feel like we're, we are pitiful, Adam. You speak for yourself or take it if you need to and, and correct it or whatever. But we're, we're doing our ABCs. We're abiding we're blessing, and we're doing community with each other. We're committing to community. And it starts with abiding. It starts with getting before God, understanding that God wants to light something in you that he's going to finish up, that he wants to show you something, that he wants to, to change, get your heart expectant about something he's going to do in you or through you. He, he wants to reveal himself right now. He He wants to reveal his glory in your life right now, today. Every person here, you're not exempt from this. If a blind beggar can find the the heart of Christ coming to him and giving him his purpose for life, for this moment in his life, defining for him that this moment was about the glory of God being revealed, then he's coming to you for the same purpose. And the glory of God is waiting to be revealed in you. Imagine what this man's life would have been like had he known that God allowed him to be born for the purpose of revealing his glory. Think about it. Think about what, how his life would have been different if he had known that this moment was going to come that would, would forever change and define his life, and not only his, but that today, 2,000 years later, there would be a man standing in a church communicating to people about what our God is like because of his experience with Jesus in the Gospels. God God wanted to reveal himself through this work in this man's life. Had he known that when he was a child and was blind and having a hard time getting around 
Had he known that when, when his little friends were making fun of him for being blind? Had he known that whenever he had to struggle with getting around town and couldn't go places because he had nobody to take him there and he couldn't get there by himself because he couldn't see? Had he known that when it came time for, job, for a job and there were no jobs that, that hired blind men? Had he known that when he sat week after week, month after month, year after year at the gate begging for something? Because he needed money? Had he known that he, in, every time he was cast out and considered to be a sinner by the church and religious people of his day because he had blindness? Had he known that he would be rejected by the people of God? Had he known that in the midst of all of that, that God had a purpose for his life and that God was going to reveal his glory through him and not through those who rejected him? That God would come to him and in this moment would, would shine through him in a way that would affect believers for eternity. It would cause us to love God more. Man, he could have made it. He could have embraced those moments. He could have laughed back at those kids who laughed at him. He could have told those religious leaders a thing or two about truth. He, he could, have, could have trusted in the fact that he was going to be provided for financially. All those things, because God has a plan for my life. Man, y'all with me? Wake up. Okay, this is going to be good. God has a plan for your life. He wants to reveal himself through you. He absolutely, without a doubt, wants you to know that today. He already has it waiting. It's moment by moment. There are so many moments for you. In, in, the, in the rest of your life, from today on, there are so many moments that are already known by God, that are, were created by God, that are predestined by God for you to walk in. Works that he has for you to do is described in Ephesians chapter 2. Before the foundations of the world, he had things that were designed for you to do. Before you were ever born, God had a plan, and it, it, it was a plan to reveal himself through you. You can know that today, church. You don't have to be like a blind man who waited on Jesus to pass by. The Holy Spirit's inside of you right now, and he will confirm what I'm saying, that God has a, a plan to reveal himself through your life this week, today. He has something he wants to reveal about himself to you, in you, and then to you, and then to the world around you. He has something that he has planned to reveal himself through in your life. And there is no circumstance that's outside of that. So if you're in the hospital having unexpected surgery, that's the place. That's the moment that God wants to reveal himself. Don't leave that out. That's a great moment for God to reveal himself through. So if you've been blessed this week and God gave you financial security and you don't have to worry about your money, this is the moment that God has to reveal himself through you. It's every moment of your life God has a plan to reveal himself through your life. We are so distracted, sometimes by the blessings, sometimes from, by the cursings, <laughs> the struggles that we're having in life, but we're so distracted that we miss this. Don't miss it this morning. Man, hear what I'm telling you. You, don't, you. you need to live your life like God has something he wants to do to reveal himself through your life because he does. And nobody in this room is exempt from it. My, my son-in-law was an atheist. God had something to reveal through his life. What a beautiful story that God can take a man who says he doesn't exist and make a believer out of him and a small group leader. 
and put him in seminary. Yeah, God had a plan. <laughs> and, and it all started at the death of a friend when he's sitting there looking at a coffin and wondering, where's the life? Uh, he's a lot smarter than me. I would never have thought that. I would have thought, boy, that's some nice flowers, you know. But man, God knew how to touch his life, and he knows how to touch your life, and he wants to. Y'all with me? Okay, that's where the blessing comes from. We're abiding in Christ, and we're touching base with him, and we're moving with him in life, and he's given us a word that gives us some expectancy uh, to, that his glory is about to be revealed through our lives, and then we, we obey everything that he says, and as we obey him, then all of a sudden, man, we have these God-exclusive moments where lives are being transformed. We need to expect that. Expect it today. Expect it tomorrow. And, and do your ABCs. It's not hard. Just do it. Pay attention. Get your expectancy up and then watch what God does. Do you have an awareness of God? Yes, you do. Now cultivate it. Cultivate your awareness of God. Cultivate that little something that God keeps putting in your heart. Set the table for God to speak about how he plans to reveal his glory this week. Another thing, this, Jesus offered this man a ridiculous set of instructions to follow <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in order to receive his sight. But what did it do? I don't know what all it did, but I can tell you a couple of things it did. Number one, it offered this man an opportunity for him to express his faith. If Jesus had said, be healed, which sometimes he did, Take up your bed and walk. It's not hard to do when all of a sudden you feel the strength coming into your legs to stand up and walk. But when Jesus says, spits on the ground, nasty, gets some mud, puts it on his eyes and says, now go wash in the pool called scent. There's there's some faith involved there because when, when God gives us a command to follow, there's always a faith challenge. And so God is building his faith up. He's allowing this man to exercise his faith. I don't know why. He just does. Because Jesus knows why. And that's the glory of God's going to be revealed in this man. And he's going to have to express his faith, his faith anyway. He's going to have to tell this story in next week's sermon. And, and so he has to have faith. So he expresses his faith. Why else? I don't know. Maybe. Because somebody had to bring him to the pool called Scent. He's a blind man. Can y'all uh, send me to the pool? You guys take me to the pool. Which way is the pool? So somebody took him to the pool called sin. Guess what happened when he washed his eyes? You think they weren't interested? This man told me to go wash his mud off my eyes. He spat in the mud and put it on my face. Gross. You know, can y'all please take me to the pool? They take him to the pool. He told me I would be able to see. How many people do you think finally made their way? I, I got the picture of the crowd probably grew as they went through town. Where y'all going? Taking this blind man to the pool. The guy said he'd see if he'd wash his mud out of his eyes. What? Crowds gathering. I know somebody had to bring him to the pool. I mean, I'm just, I think it's more than speculation. And he washes his eyes and people immediately see the glory of God. Immediately they see the glory of God in this man's life. What, what God planned for him, what Jesus said would happen, happened. The glory of God is being revealed through the work. Immediately. And for some of us, God gives us, I mean, I found in my life, he always gives me ridiculous instructions, right? 
This is one of them. I'll never forget the day that I drove up on my motorcycle after resisting for three days what God was telling me to do. Some of you don't know this story, but I was in my quiet time. I live in Pineville, so I don't drive over here very much, especially when we didn't have a building. But I felt like God was saying it's time for this after our first year of meeting, and our core group time was about over, and there were some people who wanted to join our church. We didn't have any place to put them. We only had 50 chairs and space for 50 chairs, barely, in the office space. And it was time. God was ready to grow us. And, and I'm saying, okay, God, where do you want us to go? And so as I'm praying about that one morning, God says, God brought this church to my mind. But I had already seen this building. And when I passed by, there was a, there was a sign out that said something about the Sunday service. Even though it looked a little run down, it, you know, there was a sign outside that said there's something going on here. So you know, this building was not available. And so I just kind of said, okay, Lord, just keep showing me what you want. Next day, he brought the building back to my mind again. So I got up on the internet, and I thought, well, maybe God wants us to share this space until we build our space over there. So what kind of church is it? I Google Earth to the street out there, turned it, looked at the sign, Church of God. So I looked up Church of God. What do they believe? I want to make sure we don't want any contradiction in beliefs. And there was one that was kind of close, you know, different versions of it. So, all right. I didn't do anything that day. Next morning, I forgot what I read, but I read something that was God like, you better obey what I'm telling you to do. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So I get on my motorcycle, and I drive over here to come and see if I could find a pastor to talk to to see if they would share this building. And when I got where I could see the property, there's a sign that said for sale. It just got put up. That's crazy. Now, I'm telling you, that's, that is Jesus spitting in the mud, putting it on my eyes three times and telling me to go wash at the pool. And then when I had called about it, it was $660,000 for this place. And we had already done our budget, and we said God told us to do the budget this way, right? Which is what we do. We pray, we ask God, what do you want our budget to be? How much do you want us to spend? And then we as a church had just voted on our budget. And there was eleven hundred dollars in the in the budget for us to spend on a building. And we just said God said this, you know. Now we're not, you know, we get it wrong sometimes. But man, I just didn't want to come back to the church and say we missed this. It was eleven hundred dollars a month. And so I did the numbers on six hundred sixty thousand. It wasn't eleven hundred dollars. It was a lot more, a lot more. So I said, so God, what are you doing? I know you brought me to this building. I know it's $660,000. Long story short, through a series of events, they came down to $290,000, which was still about $2,500 a month. We went to the bank to talk about money, and because we had property already and because of the property that was here and the value of this property and how much we were getting it for, they were willing to give us a year loan uh, paying interest only. Anybody want to guess how much that was? $1,100. I thought I was stupid through that whole time period. But I knew God was speaking, and he kept saying the same stuff. $1,100 was our note for the first year that we were here. And then we got in this place, and Matt is not here to qualify. I don't know what our note is now, but it's less than $1,100, and we're buying it now. We're not paying interest because... That property over there that sold for $145,000, paid for half of the building. And our notice is somewhere around that or less. God wants to show his glory. 
God, he wants to show his glory. That is not us being good enough to impress God. We are nobodies. We're nothing. We're not even on the radar for this town. People don't know anything about us unless they know you. We're not, we're not on the radar. We're, we're not spiritual people by the secular term. We're not the religious folk in this town that everybody's looking up to and saying, what are y'all doing, man? We want to be like y'all. We're the one that nobody wants to be like. But I promise you, God has a plan. And here's what I want to say to you today, and I want us to get it clear. Y'all ready? Don't, don't miss. I know, I know I'm a little long. I'm about to close. But we need to hear this. God is not going to do stuff through this church because we're doing stuff, big things in the community. The church is you. When you abide, you bless, and you do community, God's going to do what he can do. That's where it's going to happen. It's when you, 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 all of you, when each one of us abides, blesses, and, does, and commits to community with a passion like God is fixing to reveal his glory, because that's what he told us to do. When you do that, God is going to show up, and you're going to see God's glory in your life. It's not about God doing something in the church, building or the group, by some group effort. Y'all getting me? It's not that, because if it was that, you would write yourself off. You would say, oh, I'm, I'm, our church is doing great things. It's not because of me. But when God does it through you and you're the blind man, the nobody that God takes and builds something through and shows himself through, you can't write that off. So abide, bless, commit to community. It's not hard. Let's do what God's called us to do. I found in my life that when he intends to reveal himself through my life, he gives me things to do that are challenging to my faith and doesn't allow me to get the glory. And, and you're the prime candidate if you think you can't be used by God to build this church. You're the one. You're the one he's waiting for. He's not looking at me. He's looking at you. The disciples were aware of who was with them. And when he said to expect something God exclusive, they were expected, and God did it. Lastly, the man obeyed Jesus' instructions. He was healed. And the glory of God was revealed. God-exclusive activity happened when the man found out what God's plan was for that moment, and he did what God told him to do. And it, changed, it would change him, and it would touch the world with the glory revealed through that moment of his life. And next week, we're going to look at how the man and the world responded to this experience of the glory of God, because I think it's a good lesson for us to learn about what happens, what can we expect whenever... God does God-exclusive activity in our life. But listen, for today, I want us to understand that God intends to reveal his glory in all of us. And my hope for us today is that we will realize that God is passing by, realize that he lives in you, Realize that he sees us differently than we, see, than we see ourselves. He sees us as vessels, as the very vessels that he will reveal his glory through in spite of our weakness, and in some cases because of our weaknesses, in spite of our circumstances, and in some cases because life has dealt you some terrible blows. Because of it, my prayer is that we will let God change our faulty beliefs 
regarding problems and difficulties that we face in life. My prayer is that right now your, your beliefs are being changed by this story. My prayer is that we would commit to follow the crazy solutions that God gives us <laughs> and walk in them for the resolution of our tough circumstances. And, and, and in, 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 in the case of our church in Ruston, in, in the things that are not tough, but just God-ordained, the good experience as well as the bad, and then finally that we'll see the glory of God. That when he does God-exclusive activity, that it will result in our, dis- in our determination to find out what's going on and to come to know the person who's behind it. Let's pray. Lord, I know that I'm not the only one that wants this. I know that you want it, and I know that our people want it. And so, God, don't let this message be left here in the sanctuary. Father, don't let us be guilty of one more sermon and one more reminder to to do our ABCs. But, God, put in us the heart and desire and the ability to see with your eyes. Paul prayed so much, God, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. That we can recognize, God, that you are available to reveal your glory through us. And to recognize that you see us and you see us in our weakness and you say that the weaker vessels are the best prepared to be used to reveal your glory. Take our excuses away today. Fix our faulty beliefs. Speak truth to us. Set us up, God. Get our hearts expectant. Go ahead and give us the ridiculous set of instructions that you want to give us to follow. Awaken our faith by letting us face that challenge. Let us step out in blind obedience, doing what this world around us and this community would consider to be craziness. But Father, that your, your glory might be revealed. And Father, as we obey, I pray for healing, God, that comes from knowing who you are. I pray that your glory would be revealed in us. That God-exclusive activity would go on in the lives of people who are part of a church called The Gathering Place in a community that desperately needs moments where they see the glory of God outside of our own work and our own efforts and our own knowledge and our own ways of thinking and philosophies and theologies. God, show yourself. Help us by what we experience with you to make sense of what your word means and to give that away to people in this community. We want to be about that task. God, we thank you for the call to be that in this community. 